From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Crash Connell here. It is a fresh new podcast. Welcome new listeners, q90fm.com slash listen, Thursday, July 20th. Welcome, yes, indeed, to the podcast. Thanks, Crash. We're so glad you joined us today as we try and cover as many topics of importance to believers as we can. To come alongside the listener, strengthen, encourage, maybe educate, even sharpen your discernment as we navigate the culture and the church in these last days. And our goal today is to discuss the importance of digging ever deeper into the scriptures so that we can know our God better and to learn to skillfully handle the treasure uh, that is God's word. First today, uh, my verse is Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, which says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, equipped for every good work. Uh, I want you to join me in prayer today. Uh, Lord, you are a God who desires to be known, to have a relationship with your creation. There is no God like you, and that we could be partakers in your grace and eternal kingdom is just too wonderful. So we thank you for the incredible gift of your Son, in whom we live and move and have our being. Uh, strengthen us, uh, strengthen our hearts for the journey, and give us wisdom and understanding in all things. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. My guest today is Ruth Christian. Ruth and I have known each other for many a year. Uh, we've fellowshiped together and grown in the faith together through women's ministry studies and events. Ruth is a gifted Bible teacher, and one thing we have enjoyed very much over the years is teaching and challenging uh, the ladies, in our case, through something called inductive Bible study. Good morning, Ruth. Thanks you for coming on, and I can't think of anyone better equipped to help me parse out this subject today. Well, good morning, Mira. It's good to be with you, and yes, it's something that's that's just so dear to my heart, so I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, great. Uh, well, and I want you to know, too, the listener, that today's podcast isn't just for the ladies, because we're, what we're going to be describing is a tool that anyone can use to learn how to study the scriptures in depth. Uh, maybe you've done mostly a devotional type of study, but feel like uh, there's something missing in your studies, and there's nothing wrong with a devotional approach, okay? But once you learn these skills, you probably won't look at any past passage of Scripture the same ever again. Now, my husband is a long-time inductive study student and instructor, instructor uh, and so the men can teach mixed classes, the ladies can teach the ladies. Uh, this doesn't conflict with the biblical authority of a church. Uh, Ruth, uh, people might be thinking, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a study leader, and I haven't used any study skills since um, college. So why should I learn inductive study, and can I learn it? What are your thoughts off the top on that? Well, you absolutely can learn it. And yes, there are skills involved, but it just takes practice like anything. Um, and of course, why would you want to do it? Because it is the way to really get to know your God mm -hmm. when absolutely. you get in and interact with his word because it is his word and he's speaking to us through his word. Right. And it's how we grow. And, um, so you absolutely can do it. Um, it, you know, it doesn't take any 
degree before you (laughs) you get into Mm -hmm. studying God's Word, and it's something really that I encourage every believer really should do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And if you feel God is calling you to teach the Word, uh, and you want to be able to get uh, to the heart of a text and glean important truths in a systematic way, this might be what you've been looking for. Maybe you teach a home Bible study in your living room. What a great way to grow by leaps and bounds together, because now you're in a small home setting, and you can learn together. Maybe you want to teach your children at home with inductive study. There are studies designed just for the kids. Um, a missionary or church planter can equip those that they lead to Jesus with inductive study. And this is important because it's not just Christians that are missionaries to the world, but false teachers also go abroad. They spread their doctrine as well. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, prosperity teachers. And if sound doctrine isn't a part of discipling in missions or church planting, of course, then confusion will inevitably be the result. And the seed of the word then is way too easily stolen by the enemy. Now, um, radio probably isn't the perfect medium to learn this, but our goal is to introduce you to it, whet your appetite for more, and I'm going to give you some resources to see you on your way when we're done here. I can't recommend this highly enough. It is transformative. One more quick bit of background. Ruth and I have been uh, using Precept Ministries because it's probably the best and most developed study skill ministry out there, but there are others. So um, a lot of you have heard of Precepts, and they have tremendous resources on their page. But Ruth, maybe you can recount what happened back in the early 90s or so when we saw an announcement in the church bulletin about a chance to dig deeper in the world in the word, and then what happened, Ruth? <laughs> well, um, it it was so much fun, really. Um, we, our precious sister in Christ, who's now with Jesus, Betty, uh, who was our women's ministry coordinator, she put that in, and and she wanted to teach inductive Bible studies. So we had the, we all came, and I, really at the time it was, I don't know, I can't remember, it was about a, a group in the teens some way, and you and I were part of that. It was 1988. I had just been saved six months. And um, and the first book that we did was Second Timothy. And um, so in there we were beginning to do the process. We were in observation. We were supposed to be looking and figuring out what, the theme main themes were as we were doing an overview for the book and then we would have a theme for each chapter well when we got back we had our homework we got back in there we followed you know the they give you the skills tell you how to do them and none of us had it right <laughs> i'll never forget that it was so funny i mean we chuckle about it now um, but it because it's a skill it does take some skill and observation yes you're looking at um, the obvious and, and that, but to come up with what was the key thing within each chapter, it does take a little bit more skill, you know, a little bit, you have to understand what you're really looking for, how you put it together. But at any rate, that's, we always laugh about it because we think, but then we came a long ways and it was, it's been life changing. And I think you, you mentioned we've done, uh, precept. I think I've done probably, done and led often uh, after I took some training um, probably 18 of the precept studies oh I didn't realize it was that many yeah and then of course now we have Bible study at church and so I create them but I create them so that that you do them inductively yeah right you know because we've experienced it's I mean you just there's no greater joy than when you discover truth for yourself Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. is amazing Mm -hmm. 
One of, and my, one of my favorite lines is, well, we're searching the scriptures, the scriptures are searching us. Exactly. And that is, and we'll talk about that more, that comes into play very, very much when it comes to application. Um, so, yes, um, and there is homework. And, and so a lot of us are thinking, do I have time? You know, do I have? Well, yeah, and at that time, I mean, I wasn't retired then. Now I'm old. <laughs> but then I was still teaching. I was coaching. Uh, so I would do homework. I'd take my precept to school, sit in my office at lunchtime and do some of it. While I was cooking my supper, when I got home, I would be doing some of it. But I mean, it, it, like anything, if it's important, you find the time. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then it was when we, the joy that was involved when you did it, um, you found the time. Yeah. 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 I remember they also have, precept also has a marriage without regrets. And yes. that, uh, Tim taught the guys, I taught the gals, and that was, wow, in-depth look at marriage. I think it was, I don't know how many weeks it was, at least 12. I think it might have been more than that. Yeah. So now you know that you know that you know what God's plan for marriage is when you're done with that. So there are some topicals, but there's uh, there's Daniel, there's James, there's Peter. Uh, there's. I actually one time did Revelation with Kit because she was on TV doing it. So I got the inductive study and and did the homework and then listened to her. Mm-hmm. And so I went through all of Revelation which was with her. So that was that was that was really that's interesting. A, that's a yeah. big piece of meat. I mean that yes. is some serious study. Yes. Um so it depends on the study that you take on. I remember homeschooling my daughter for a season and she'd have her books on one end of the table and I've had mine on the other end of the <laughs> table. Uh, colored pencils and all that good stuff. Uh, so, yes, a group of us took the plunge. We had no idea what we were in for. Um, we wondered, but it was it was fantastic. So I want to add here that it is an investigative way to study Scripture. Okay, so you can be uh, young in the faith or an older saint. Uh, this is for any age group. You can discover for yourself what Scripture says, and it helps to see where error exists in a movement. It helps us be more discerning. It keeps us from personal sin, hiding God's Word in our heart. And and my analogy I was thinking of today is if you're a detective, you don't just walk into a crime scene and then just walk right back out. Obviously, that would be silly because you haven't taken note of anything. Uh, But some approach the Bible like that. Uh, But rather, you look at the details, the clues, and other type of information that can help you determine the truth of the matter. And you really don't stop until you've discovered the truth. So if it's a crime scene, well, who did this? Uh, in case of the Bible, you, you don't stop until you've discovered the absolute truth um, of that particular passage. So what you need is a, an expansive kitchen table, maybe some time and commitment, and you will use this the rest of your life. So we we have an outline here, and we are going to be systematic about this. We're going to take this step by step and give you an idea of exactly what you need to do. And then at the end, we'll have some resources because we're not going to leave you hanging on this. So... Um, The first question, of course, is what is inductive Bible study? And we've sort of covered that just a little bit already. But technically what it is is a method of studying the Bible that allows you to discover for yourself what Scripture says, what it means, and how to apply it. It's very simple, very simple. Um, And it's essential. We've we've mentioned it's essential for um, going deeper and living differently. So instead of being told what the Bible says or what to believe, you will know for yourself, no matter what book that you are in. So, Ruthie... um, it involves three components, which kind of often overlap in practice. Can you just tell us what those three aspects are of inductive study? Yeah, and, and uh, one other little thing before I mm-hmm. do that. It it does involve the proper biblical hermeneutics that 
you know, whether you're doing a precept study or some other kind of a study that, you know, a good Bible study should have. But yeah, the three parts are observation. So the first thing you do is your, what does the text say? I mean, plain and simple. It says what it says. So you, you do, um, different skills. You, you develop different skills in order to determine the observation, what it says. And then there's interpretation. Um, what does it mean? Okay, you know what it says, but sometimes certain words you're not quite sure what they mean, and so you dig deeper there, and there are skills to do that. And then, of course, you don't do Bible study just to have head knowledge. You want it to go to your heart, and you want it to affect your life, and so there has to be application, so that's the third thing. What does that mean for my life? You don't go to the Bible and say, um, what does it mean, uh, read something and say, what does this mean to me? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You study it. It says this. It means this. And then you take what it means and apply it to your life. Right. And and when I first got saved, someone, a wise person said to me, don't read any other books for the first three years of your walk with the Lord. Just read the Bible. And I look back at that and I think that's incredible uh, wisdom. But today's Bible, so we, we don't want to look at other books. We want to look at the book. But today's Bibles, and this is a concern too, um, are half commentary. And that's a trap because I remember buying Bibles where it was just scripture. And now all of a sudden they're half commentary and people, your eyes are drawn to that. But that's what the Lord showed someone else. That's not what the Lord showed you. And so uh, when you do inductive study, it's all about what the Lord is revealing to you uh, in his word. And it'll never contradict. Um, The books will never contradict. It'll never contradict sound doctrine. Um, So do you you think that people read too many books about the Bible instead of the Bible? Um, Ruthie, is that just like a a bad habit, right? Um, Yeah, I think it's just, it's an easy way to do it. I think in their heart, they want to go a little deeper and maybe don't know how to do it themselves, Mm -hmm. don't have the skills, and so they'll read something and then go to a good commentator, somebody that they like that has it, and just read what he says about, Mm -hmm. you know, that particular passage of the Bible. And But the, the, the problem with that is it isn't, Life changing, right? Not like digging in yourself mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Um, and the the, the um, it's kind of you know doing inductive study. Maybe I could use the the example here. It's it's really something that if any of you out there and listening did a biology course when you were in school, you probably studied a frog. I know I did, and um, so. Doing good Bible study, you do want to see the environment in which those scriptures that you're reading are in. That's the context, okay? So if you were doing, if you were studying a frog, you would go out into its environment. What can you learn about the frog out there? You go to, I have a pond in my backyard. There are frogs there. I can go there, see adult frogs, and then you can find their eggs. You can find tadpoles. You can see them when the legs, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. are developed. And then eventually they jump on the land, uh, and, and then become the frog. And then what did you do in biology? Well, then you took it into the lab and you dissected it. That's really what you're doing with inductive Bible study. Right. And uh, always keeping in mind its environment, the context. Right. Okay? Right. And, um, and so 
uh, inductive Bible study really is that. It's the Bible, and you observe its environment, you take it apart so that you can understand it firsthand, and when you've seen and discovered all that you can, you uh, you compare then your observation. That's when you take it to mm-hmm. the commentaries and make sure you're not off base. You know, you take and you everybody should have some commentaries that you know are good, right. good Bible teachers that you can go to then. Mm-hmm. Right. You're listening to Stand Up for the Truth. Uh, we're talking to Ruth Christian today about inductive Bible study. Um, the Bible itself has cross references. Opportunities for word studies and letting scripture interpret scripture. So we start out by, uh, when we observe what did the passage mean to its original audience? Who is being written to? Um, and then you'll eventually, of course, apply it to your own circumstances. But, um, the great thing about being able to equip, uh, to be equipped to study on your own is you're independent, like we were talking about, of relying on another's interpretation and becoming Increasingly aware of everything that it means to be in Christ. Now, there's this whole field of hermeneutics. That's a $20,000 word, right? There are different methods of studying. One is deductive. Uh, this is inductive. Deductive is, uh, involves picking a certain topic and then going through the Bible and finding passages that support that topic. Uh, this is related to what you'd call a topical Bible study. Um, the, the problem with that is, and there is room for that, of course, but in coming to the Bible with a conclusion or, or a bias already, now you're looking to support what you already think. Uh, if you want to do a Bible study on love, for instance, uh, you already have to know how the Bible defines it or your conclusions are going to be skewed. And this is called eisegesis, reading into the Bible what you want it to say. And there are many ways to do that. That's deductive. Inductive is just the opposite. You start with the details, like Ruth was saying, uh, like the frog. Uh, in a verse or a passage, you break it down. It's almost like um, phrase-by-phrase or word-by-word Bible study, right? Uh, and then there's exegesis, um, uh, inductive and exegesis, similar, discovering the original intended meaning of a scripture uh, using proper context. So, Ruth, why don't you take us through some of this uh, observation? Of course, you pray first when you sit down to study. You always ask the Holy Spirit uh, to lead you into all truth. But then, um, Ruth, tell us about, I know you did a little bit about context already, but uh, tell us a little bit more about what that means, because context, even in the news today, is missing, right? Yeah. There, there are the two main principles in good, in, uh, good Bible exegesis, if you, believe, if you say, want to use that word, mm-hmm. but it's that context always rules and Scripture interprets Scripture. So when we begin a Bible stu- one of these Bible studies, and you're beginning with observation, what does it say? Um, context, you're always looking at the context. You begin your study uh, identifying, actually, context, because it'll be that thing that leads you to the proper interpretation later on. Now, context means that which goes with the text. So what we're saying is this. Whatever you're reading, you're looking at some specific thing, and maybe um, if we're talking about Second Timothy, it's Paul talking to Timothy. So if you're looking about looking at, well, what was Paul saying to him? Well, you want to see the context, okay? So it's the words, it's the phrases, it's the sentences around the word Paul that give you the context of what we're saying about Paul, or what we're saying about Timothy, or what we're saying about the gospel, you know, that he that he teaches in there. So. It's, it's, um, it helps you to know and understand what the author is saying. Context 
is can only be determined by careful observation. And that's why observation of the process takes the most time. You spend a lot of time on observation, but it's the most imperative thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. It says what it says. And in order to understand context well, uh, you need to do that. Then you also, when you, begin, when you uh, observe, you want to deal with the text objectively. It, it's always, or it, it, this is imperative, or literally, you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, as you begin observation, look for the things Two, that are obvious. That's the other thing you do with. You don't look at some obscure thing, you know, try that kind of thing. It's just the things that are easy to see. And then um, you want to read with a purpose. Now, of all these things, this is one that's a skill, and it's a skill that you and I developed. And I know we were talking before. You use it still. Oh, all the time. I use it also. And I call it interrogating the text. Yeah, yeah. But it's you're reading with a purpose. And what? Well, you, you question it as you read. It's called, it's the five W's and the H. What, when, where, why, and how, and who. I missed one. I missed one W. The who. The who is really important. <laughs> so as you're reading, you interrogate the mm-hmm. text. Mm-hmm. And so... That's what you do. And if you're doing a letter, the letter is different than all the other books of the Bible. There's one of you, you, um, and they're shorter. So the overview, you do a lot of reading of yes. a letter over and over, and over, over again to get an overview yeah. of what the writer is trying to accomplish with his letter, mm-hmm. who he's writing to and what he's trying to say. There's a lot of patience at the beginning, yes. right? When you first jump into a study, you read that text over and over and over and over. You have to earn the right to actually then observe. You yes. really have to work for it. Yeah, you um, do. You know, who, who is it being written to? Okay, so you're going to initially, you know, Paul to... Um, the brethren in wherever, or so who? That's the first thing you establish. Who is it being written to? What and then what? What is being said? What is the situation or circumstances of the writing or the author? Is the author in prison? Uh, is the author there with them? Is he on his way to see them? Then you have when. These could be chronological references. There may be. Uh, a chronological reference, we, not necessarily, right? Uh, not right. all these things will be obvious at the beginning. Then there's a where, and that would be geographical references uh, from prison in Jerusalem, Rome, Greece. Uh, where does it take place? And you'd be surprised how much this is important to know these things. Why are they getting the letter? What were they doing right? Exactly. Wrong? That leads yes. to the purpose. That leads to the purpose of the letter. Mm-hmm. How? Okay, so how is the subject of the letter Presented now. Here we want to get in a little bit to the genre of the le- of the letter or book of the Bible because there's poetry, there's prophecy, there's narratives. Is it a gospel? Is it an epistle? So how is the subject presented? Because interpretation varies depending on the type of book that it is. Right? Correct. Yes. Right. Uh, and so these are questions we ask ourselves as we read. Now, Ruth, what translations? Because you can't really do a Bible study like of this nature without the ability to look up words that are keyed to the King James or whatever. You can't just go to a paraphrase or an NIV and say, I'm going to do a, a word study. It does not work that way, right? So what what translations would be best for inductive? Well, you definitely, the Bibles have 
word-for-word translations, and then they have phrase translations. Mm-hmm. They have all this. And you definitely want to use a word-for-word translation because eventually when you get to interpretation, you're doing word studies, you you want to know what each word means, not what somebody else put together, you know, took three words and said mm-hmm. it means this. So in that case, you would want to be using either the King James and the New King James or the New American Standard and the ESV. Uh, there are word-for-word translations. There's actually a commentary, is go- or not a commentary, a concordance is going to be a, a key tool that yeah. you're going to use, and it's word-for-word. So if you're using, um, if you're doing the King James Version, uh, or the New King James Bible, then the Strong's Concordance is keyed. It the words are all in there, you know, according to that version of the Bible. But if you're using a New American Standard, they do have a New American Standard um, concordance, yeah. oh. and they're both keyed with the same number for the Greek words and for the Hebrew okay. words. So it's the same same thing. So, but all that to say this if you have an NIV there is an NIV concordance but i still if you're doing bible study i would i would tell you to get one of those four at least good you know mm-hmm. word for word translations and mm-hmm. use them for an inductive bible yes, study yes absolutely and we were kind of chatting beforehand that that we still like the books right and a concordance exactly. is is a heavy a heavy book but i i'm not one of those who wants to read it online you know on the screen necessarily right. so we're kind of we're kind of throwbacks that way. But if you take a course, and this is important to, to note, if you take uh, a course through one of the inductive um, online ministries and you get a book, say you order um, First Peter from Precept, they they take you through the process. You're not left exactly. to yourself to say, well, I need to look up this word, I need to look up that word. It doesn't work that way because when you've had your lesson with the leader, you go home for the week. And then each day is delineated. This is what you do on day one. This is what you do on day two. So you set aside time. You take care of the homework for day one. And they will tell you, read this over and over again or um, do a word study on this or that. So you're, you're not left to your own devices. And people have gone before us and done tremendous groundwork to make this easy, right? I mean, exactly. And eventually, like I mentioned before, after how many I've done, I I can now create Bible yeah. studies using the process yes. with you know because it's just there. Good for you. I think but, that's fantastic. When I see but, the ones you've written, I think, oh Ruth, but, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> but they walk you through everything. Yeah. yeah. So don't think as you're listening to us. Oh my gosh, I'd never remember that. No, no, no. They'll walk you through it all. Mm-hmm. And if you take a class live, mm-hmm. um, there's orientation, and the the leader or instructor who is trained to do this. Um, we'll sit down and we'll take out those resources. Oh, I don't know how to use a concordance. Well, you will. I don't know how to use a Vines dictionary, Bible dictionary. Well, you will. Uh, so that's the beauty of it. I mean, there are people to help you through this. So if someone's listening and they're overwhelmed by the various aspects of this, there's no need to be. But, right. but here's the thing, Ruth. I thought after one book, which was Second Timothy that we did? We, was the first one, yes. It was the first one. Yes. After one, I thought, oh. I'll have this down. No, it actually takes a couple, I think. It does. It, it, um, because each book is different. Again, the genre is different. Funny story. We did several, and then Betty did um, Spiritual Gifts one. Oh, and in yeah. that one, you had, to do an out, you had to do all of 1 Corinthians. Yes. 
and find the title, you know, the the key thing in there. Uh, here now, I don't know how many years that was. Probably maybe three, four years down the road. And I was so excited, so pumped because I had it all right when we went through it in class. <laughs> so I had come a long ways from Second Timothy. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yes, we are headed towards our first break. Uh, you're listening to Stand Up for the Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. I'm here with Ruth Christian. We're talking about how to study inductively. I love your story there because I looked at First Corinthians and after reading it like five times, my eyes were glazing over. So we're just humans, right? Exactly. We're just people. We get distracted. We have jobs. We have all these other things. But sneak it in. You will not be sorry. It is transformational. When I sit down on a Sunday morning, I get the text that we're going to be going through. What does my brain do? Okay. What's the location? Who's he talking to? What you know? I my, I automatically I interrogate that text before the pastor even gets up there. Right. And I thought I'll never get this. It'll never be um, just a, a firsthand thing. Or sec- I mean, it'll never be um, what do you call it? Something that I just can automatically do intuitively. It's not going to be intuitive at first, but it is well worth your time. So uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about keywords. How? What is? What are keywords? And making lists. I love making lists. That is one of my favorite things, and uh, my husband and I talk about that all the time. Lists are fantastic. We're going to talk about word studies, how to do those, um, and a little bit about uh, Strong's, what is concordance. And we're going to also get into interpretation, but no interpretation without observation. So again, my name is Mary Danielson. This is Stand Up For The Truth. Um, My guest is Ruth Christian, and we will be back after a couple of messages. Stay tuned. And thank you for your comments on our YouTube channel, Q90FM Radio on YouTube, Q90FM Radio. Check out the videos, and you can email your comments at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Comments at standupforthetruth.com. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our truth at any cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth today. Uh, My name is Mary Danielson. Again, I'm talking to Ruth Christian, a fellow inductive Bible study student, and uh, just um, taking you through the, the process, what it means to actually observe the text, probably more than you ever thought you would. It's amazing the things that when you take the layers apart of of, of the books of the Bible, the chapters, the verses, the incredible truths that you learn, things you never ever saw before. It's just fantastic. So uh, right now we are in the process of still observation. And we've talked about the five W's and the H and and the, the things you should have in your mind when you're looking for information in the 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 text, the scripture passage that you're looking at. It could be a book. It could be a chapter. There's all kinds of possibilities for using this. But, Ruthie, we, we've gone through those things, the who, what, when, where, why, and how mm-hmm. of the subject matter. But now we're at key words. What is a key word, and um, how do we know what to look for? And uh, that will lead us to lists. So, Ruthie, why don't you take us through key words? Okay. Um, I think, too, one of the things I want to say is that what we've said so far is good for any book of the Bible. I mean, these are key things that you do. Now, the letters, the letters are where we have most of our doctrine, too. And um, so in the letters, yes, you do all these things, but then um, key words especially 
are really important in the letters. Um, a key word or phrase, because it could be something like in Christ. You know, if you're reading Colossians or one of those books where almost every verse says in Christ, in Christ. Well, that's an important phrase. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you'll find all the information you can about what that means to be in Christ. So words or phrases are vital to the understanding, to understanding the meaning of the text. That's what we're trying to get to. You know, we're mm-hmm. observing, what does it say? But we're trying to get to the meaning. So like a key, in other words, mm-hmm. that's why they're keywords, they unlock the meaning of the text. So um, remember, we're looking at the obvious things first. Keywords pop out because they're often repeated. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're usually repeated. Often they will convey the author's point or purpose for writing, especially when you're really reading the letters and studying the letters. This is really important to studying the letters. So it's imperative that you observe these keywords and phrases because they'll reveal the author's intended message to the recipients. Mm-hmm. What's he trying to say? Uh, his intended emphasis and how he'll accomplish his purpose. So keywords are um, God, Jesus, Christ, they're always keywords, mm-hmm. okay? Um, heaven and hell can be keywords. Let's take Second Timothy, and in Second Timothy, the gospel will be a keyword. Now there'll be different words for the gospel, but it's going to be a keyword. Um, the writer Paul—that's that's always a keyword. The uh, recipients, in this case, it's Timothy. He's writing to a young pastor, so it's Timothy. And he, it's a key word. So, okay, so what do you do with these keywords? Well, the way we did Bible study, I really like it. Um, and, and if you have an opportunity to do it and you don't use a Bible study, just go somewhere online like Blue Letter Bible, print out, say, Second Timothy. Print it out. And then you can use it to study from so you can mark it up. Right. Right. So when we would do these, um, we would mark a key word a certain way. Now, God, I always always do with a triangle, you know, the triune God. A blue one? So a it, blue one? I did, a blue one. Sometimes would color it inside with yellow so you had the glory. But, but yes, so, and what's the importance of key? Keywords uh, will eventually lead to subjects, which will eventually lead to themes. Remember we said it's right. like these little things that eventually we get to have um, conclusions mm-hmm. or themes or things. We get to bigger things. But you see it through looking at the little things. That's right. And the patience of looking. And make sure that you have all the key words. You, you go yeah. through it over and over again. I mean, re- repetition, repetition, repetition. Right. So it's as, it's as simple as this. Okay, uh, I'm, what I'm going to do now is we have, I have Second Timothy here. Let me read through Second Timothy quickly. And then I will show you what a simple list would be of the word God. All right. So it's this is just verses one through nine. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience at as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, 
which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother uh, Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, One of the key words in this portion of scripture would be God. Another would be Paul. So you would do a list on Paul as well. Timothy would be another one. And you will do it throughout the whole letter. Mm -hmm. Because these are not just key words for this section of scripture. They'll be key words throughout the whole letter. So, um, So now if we're just doing God, what I would do, that I would have marked God, I go back and look at it. And then, okay, here's my list for God. Well, verse 1, he made Paul an apostle by his will. Verse 2, gives grace, mercy, and peace. Verse 2 also, is the Father. Verse 3, is thanked and served. Verse 6, gives gifts. Verse 7, doesn't give the spirit of fear. Verse 7 again, um but gives the spirit of power, love, and discipling. Um, verse 8, gives power for suffering. Wow, that's an interesting mm-hmm. one, right? And then verse 9, two things. He saved us and he called us. So that's what you would do and you look at these lists and it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of information in here and you just go, oh, wow. You know, you're pulling out sound doctrine, actually, when you think about it. If you want, you know, it says that men will not endure sound doctrine in these last days. Well, you just gave a list of all the things about God, and that's just in nine verses. Yes, and we see salvation here, even though that's not a key word. So you could also go go from there, right, because he saved us and he called us, okay? And you can do a thing on salvation. But you you would be doing a list on Paul, because it says much in here about Mm Paul. Um. And, of course, Timothy. Then we find out who this guy is that Paul's writing to and why is he so important. And so you go through and you, you know, you do a a list on Timothy as well. What is what is being said about him? And if you're a pastor and you're preparing a message mm -hmm. and you want to pull the important points out of that chapter, that is the absolute best way to do it. Because now you can do an entire message just about God. And what uh, Paul said to Timothy about God. It's just its just an amazing process. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so then, so you've marked your keywords. We usually take a colored pencil for this and a color, different color for that. And you, you have a totally marked up, hopefully double-spaced sheet with your scriptures on it. Okay, so you're just getting started. So uh, now making a list. This is what we talked about. I absolutely love lists. Again, because you can build a Bible study on that. Um, and it gives tremendous information about the passage. Ruth, do you have anything about lists that has stood out to you or has benefited you over time when you're preparing, say you're preparing for the women's uh, studies or whatever? Um, well, just just in in the fact that it comes up, that, that it leads you mm-hmm. to the main right. things, yeah. you know, the main themes or the main, the purpose, the, the 
you know, all of the important things that you want to eventually get to. Right, right. You, you you find them through doing these right. these lists, and you, I think you would want to start with something like Second Timothy. That's what we started with. Yeah. If you're going to start with Genesis and make lists, that you know yeah. that's a whole different thing. You, right. I think it's easier to start with some of these shorter books and get get these skills under your belt. And I I think it's it's especially appropriate for the for the letters. I mean, um, you know, like I said, Jesus is always a, is a key word. But if you're doing say the Gospel of John. You're not going to mark every time Jesus is and, and do lists on Jesus. You'd be doing the whole book. <laughs> right. But here, it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, and if you were doing Genesis, you know, you might do something on Moses, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but this is especially important in the letters because there's so much intertwined right. in letters. They're 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 not long in the Bible in right. general, like other books, but there's so much there, and they're so practical for yeah. for Christian living and for growing in discipleship, growing in the faith, and just understanding. Maybe you don't have a good foundation. Um, you're still in the milk of the word. Maybe you want to get into the meat, and this is certainly a way to do that. Uh, now, we want to do, uh, as we go then, they will, um, of course, will lead you into doing a word study. A uh, word will jump out to you, um, an important word, a keyword. It's mostly the keywords, right? And and you'll think, well, I don't know what propitiation is, right? So right. you're going to do a word study. Now, Ruth, how would you go about, say, um, we'll pick your own keyword, but propitiation is certainly one. How would you go about, because we're talking about, if we're in the New Testament, we're talking about the original Greek, right? So how right. would you go about doing a word study? Well, let's say um, with this portion of Second Timothy that I just uh, read, it says that uh, Paul is an apostle. I mean, when we started, when we did this study way back, I knew the Lord six months. I didn't really understand apostles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what is an apostle? So th- that's what you would do. You would take that word, okay, I need to find more meaning on that. You know, I, I know what it says. It says he's an apostle, but I'm not really sure what that means. That's interpretation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you would go to a concordance and you would take the word apostle and you look it up. The concordances are books that have all the words of the Bible in there because the, the Bible was written in Hebrew, Old, basically, mostly Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek, New Testament. So you go to a concordance, it's in the front of the concordance, you find the word. And it's interesting because you'll find apostle, but it'll also have a list of where apostle is used in all the other scriptures Mm -hmm. as well. And that's where you do some of your cross-referencing you can through that. But you look, you look, you find that verse, and there's a number there. The number is the Greek word. It's the number of the Greek word. You see, you're going to get the original meaning, the meaning in the original text of what an apostle is. So you go there, and I think it says uh, sent out sent out one or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, when you go to the concordance. It's a simple definition. It'll just be simple. And so you go, oh, you know, if you want to know more about it, you do cross-references. Right. Then you find out, well, right. an apostle was this. An apostle saw Jesus. A true saw, apostle. Yeah, Witness the resurrection. That, that right. would be, yes, that would be right. with your cross-references. Right. You'll get even more meaning. Right. So you can't build a doctrine no. based on no. one verse or one word study. That's right. the beauty of it. Right. You know, I can't say, oh, maybe one day I'll be an yeah. apostle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This uh this is Standard for the Truth. You're listening to uh Mary Danielson and Ruth Christian. We're talking about inductive Bible study skills and how you can dig 
deeper. So yes, that's a word study. I love word studies too because it sure adds uh, shades of meaning that you're going to go, I didn't know that. Well, and like say apostle, that's where the vines dictionary comes in mm-hmm. because what it does, it's it's the same word. It's keyed with the same Greek number, same meaning. You go there, you find that word, and it gives expanded definitions. And the vines will separate, will tell you it means this yeah. in these verses. Right. It means this in these verses. Cause here's the danger. If you just do a concordance or you use some tool online and they'll say, okay, this word means, and they'll give you like, da, 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 you know, all these different things. They don't all, in that specific yeah. portion of scripture, it doesn't mean all those things. You have to know which thing, which mm-hmm. definition it means there. How do you know that? By the context. Right, right. And it's funny because you will also, when you do a word study, it'll say, this, this definition of this word is only used once in the New Testament. There's another, because English doesn't do any of this justice. No. So in no. the Greek, there may be how many words for love or whatever. And I think a lot of our listeners know that, but still, if it says this is only used once in this verse, now you're going to look at the words surrounding that verse and go, oh, it means this here, but it means something different in Mark, or it means right. something different there. Correct. So this is well worth digging time. It really, word studies will just add so much uh, to, and you, you come away from these studies and you just feel, you just feel so refreshed and you go, wow, thank you, you Lord. You also me. understand the awesomeness of God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, that it truly, that, individual people that it really is God's word yeah. that he really did inspire these people because there's no way this could all be put together like this right but right. with individual human authors right there's no absolutely way. it's very complex God's word is very mm-hmm. complex so now I think we need to with the time we have left let's move to interpretation and application because I also want to uh, give an example in second Peter of how I would read through that after years of inductive study so no interpretation without observation right because we want to go and read that verse and go oh I know what that means and walk away we don't get to do that. So what does re- interpretation require, right, Ruth? Because it requires, the Bible interprets itself. So there cannot be contradictions. Um, there, there, there just aren't any. And if, if you see contradictions and the fault is with you and you haven't done your observation, right, properly because it cannot interpret, uh, contradict itself. Um, so. Well, in, in finding, in finding meaning, you know, this is where you do have to probably use some other Tools, like yes. we said, the concordance mm-hmm. and the and the Bible, uh, the dictionary, and um, but and also cross referencing, and you can use mm-hmm. those tools to help you cross reference. You know, I mentioned in the concordance, it'll list all the different verses. Well, you can go there and look those verses up, and then you can discern by the context there. Okay, right. this is a good verse. It, it, it expands on what. Paul is saying here in Second Timothy, right. you might go to another verse and the word being used, it doesn't, you know, the, and the context and everything, it doesn't mean the same thing. But you get cross references because remember, though, one of the main, main, main <laughs> things in Bible study is scripture interprets scripture. Mm-hmm. Not Ruth said this about this verse, right. not Mary said this, not, you know, Strong said this, right. but this is what the Bible says about itself. Right. And by the time you get to the third chapter in whatever book you're studying, you're going to realize that it's been a theme throughout the whole book. Exactly. So other verses in first, uh, first or second Timothy are going to interpret themselves even within the book or chapter that you're in. So keep your eyes open for such things. So context is king and we can't say that enough. It's, it's king in, in every aspect of life. 
So you interpret based on the homework you've done. So you have to have a reason for your interpretation. And then application, because this can be personally challenging. Because once we learn the truths of Scripture, we need to be open to anything we've learned wrong, anything that we had preconceived ideas from a church we came out of, or just um, things that we'd heard that were slightly off. But then, Ruthie, we are obligated before God to take correction and live by it, because, again, the Scriptures are also studying us. Um, you know, what is the implications for this uh, text that we're looking at today? As a church, as an individual, what are the implications, hence applications? Secondly, what does God want me to understand personally? So we do this for ourselves. What does he want me to understand or do today and from here on out? Uh, number three, what areas of my thinking, preconceived ideas, affections, attitudes, actions need to change because there are times you're pierced through the heart when you do this kind of in-depth study, right? Exactly. You go, yeah. oh, that's me. Oh, the Lord is t- speaking to my heart through these scriptures. And then finally, turning new insights into prayer, of course, to ask God to do the work in us. And then that full circle to the verse that we opened with, complete, fully equipped for every good work, right? We will be complete and fully equipped. So um, before I get to my second Peter, Ruth, do you have any application uh, things that you want to talk about? Well, I think um, with application, you know, you mentioned our responsibility. We've done all this study, and, and like it's not just for head knowledge, like we said right. before. So right. we want to be doers of the word, like it says in James. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've studied all this. Now, what is it? What it means this? How does this apply? And, you know, while you're doing these studies, oftentimes, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will give you a little mm, inside, mm-hmm. and he's speaking to you. And this is an area. This is an area that you're studying something, you've come up with the meaning or whatever, and you realize you didn't have the right thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And your life didn't reflect right. what is what is being said here. And you need to change that. Yeah. That's that's, you know, when you do these studies, you do it with God. That's right. You do it with the Holy Spirit. That's right. So the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Right. And, um, but, and help you to yeah. understand how to apply. Yeah. You know, maybe you learn something and, and you're doing fine in that area, you know, yeah. or maybe he'll speak to you and it's, it's for someone else to help someone else now that you know is struggling and you, and you've, yeah. you know, you've right. read and studied these scriptures. Right. Right. So, um, but the the changes should make, uh, or, or the you, it starts with belief, mm-hmm. right? It it really does. It starts with faith, faith in the word of mm-hmm. God. You believe, you studied. It says what it says. You have faith, and now you need to do something about it. That's right. And the and I think it's interesting too. Second Timothy really tells us it's it gives us how the how of application. It really does. It says. All scripture is given by the inspiration of right. God, and it's profitable for if you, it's doctrine, if it's New King James, if you had the NSB, it would be for teaching, yeah. okay? And that, because that's what it means for reproof, for correction, for instruction or training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete or adequate, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here you have it. It's for these things. It's for reproof. So you've studied it. Right. It's now reproving you. It's now reproving. So you, you Yay. Know, yeah. <laughs> or there's correction. But the instruction yeah. for righteousness, yeah. that comes with, here's another list that you do often, 
what some some of them there's lots of commands, lots of instructions given. You know, in certain chapters, say like in Romans, mm-hmm. near the end, and so you would list these things. They're not just for those people; they're for us. Correct. So the application again. Well, so. and and I've been reading through Second Peter one five to fifteen, and I'm just we only have a couple minutes left, so I'm just going to give you a general idea of how I would read this. Um, uh, verse three uh, it says, "His divine power." All right, his. This now we're talking about God. He has divine power, has given us to us, to us, there's us, all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. How? It says through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. There's another thing. He's called us. He's called us by glory and virtue. And on and on. Verse 4. By which? By which what? So you'd go back to that verse and say, by which have been given to us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. He has given you and me exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, why, why are these promises so important? We may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he talks about add to your faith, um, self-control, perseverance, godliness. So there's another list. So as you do this and study this, you will start to see these things, um, as you go through the scripture and you'll start to ask all the, all the questions and then you'll read it again and you will already know way more than you did even five minutes ago. You'll, you'll read with a purpose all the time. I can't help but do it anymore. I mean, that's how every time I read, it's the same thing. Read with a purpose, read uh, to see. And so, um, I just want to thank you so much for looking into this with me. I probably couldn't have done it without you. Oh, because you, you could have, have, but it's it's been great. Being you have such thing. great insights. And so, um, again, it's new, uh, King James, New King James, NASB, um, ESV. Yes. Yes, those are the, the translate, translations. Yes, they're not paraphrases. You can't do this with the message, right? <laughs> yeah. So those well. are the translations that you would want to look into having on hand. Um, uh Resources, Precept Ministry International, precept.org, tremendous amount of resources to help you succeed. They also have a search where you can find a group in your area, so that is very helpful. Uh, you can put in your browser inductive Bible studies and your state and city, find out what's out there. It will list who is doing these. Call them, ask questions, find out what they believe, make sure it's pure inductive study. Logos.com, many, many tools for inductive study. Uh, intensive care ministries. They've been around a long, long time. ICMBible.com. They have an online course. You can do it at home. You don't ever have to go anywhere. Uh, blueletterbible.com. Now, we didn't have the internet, right? When we started this, exactly. that's yeah. the funny part. Uh, but blueletterbible.com, you can search for a phrase. Uh, you can tell it which uh, translation. Even a word. Want. Even a word. You can search yeah. for it and it'll come up where that word is in the entire Bible. Take small bites. Don't bite off more than you can chew, but you definitely want to take small bites. So we really hope this has been helpful to you. Um, Stand Up For The Truth is powered by some wonderful podcast guests over the decades. We have a list of our most popular guests on our website, StandUpForTheTruth.com. On the top menu bar, you want to click the link Guests. Scroll through the page. Find your favorite Click their name to find their recent podcast. The link is guests at standupforthetruth.com. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen, Ruth? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. This has been Stand Up For The Truth.